Good morning. How are we doing? All right. So turn with me to Matthew 19:16. This verse has been on my heart, and hopefully I can bless you with it. It's just I've been it's it's doing something in my heart, and I hope it'll do the same to you. All right. Just then, a man came unto Jesus and asked him, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one thing that is good. If you want to enter life, keep your commandments. Which ones he injured? Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. The young man heard this, and he went away sad, because Jesus had, because he had great wealth. If we go back to verse 16, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? And oftentimes I just I find myself trying to, trying to do this in my own strength, trying to earn God love, his approval, his understanding, and just by what I can do on earth. And it's just, it's not about that. You can't. You're going to let yourself down if you try to serve God with your own strength. You have, to, you have to give it all up to him. You have to let him in full reign of your life because you're going to let yourself down if you do it in your own strength. Yeah. Send in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for this fellowship that we get to have. Thank you for this worship team. I pray that you will bless this service. Thank you for who you are and how and who you are in our lives. In your name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Well, um, let, let's put our hands together and introduce Pastor Jonah from St. Croix Falls. that don't know me, I, probably about half of you probably know me, it's been a while since I've been here, uh, I more or less started out here, <laughs> not, not as a young man, but I moved back into the area and, and we ended up coming to this church and God brought us here. One of the greatest things that brought us to this church as we've been to several churches in the area. We came to the church. We had worship, which was great. Uh, Jamie was leading worship at the time, who came from the same area we came from. <clears throat> so we recognized the worship. She had gone to the same church that we were going to and was taught worship there. So that was very comfortable for us. But the biggest thing was Pastor John got up and he said, God is good. I said, hallelujah. Yes, we're home. Because not every place says God is good, but God is good. And uh, so we came, we started going, we attended, and over a period of years, there came a point where uh, there was an opening, they needed a pastor up in St. Croix Falls, and Pastor John asked me, you know, he, he jokingly says he's trying to get me out of his, his church because I have a history of being in churches that have had problems, and he wanted to get me out as soon as possible. 
But the thing about that is, is I, I got to see a lot of how not to do things, how things are not supposed to be done. So I have a wealth of experience in seeing that. But I've been pastoring up there now for seven years. It's been good. It's been challenging. But God is faithful. And uh, the, the church is doing well up there. We are not many in number, but we are great in power of the Lord our Jesus Christ. <clears throat> um, I... I graduated from Karis Bible College. I was the third class to go through, so we went through when it was really raw. Those of you that are going through Karis, you are much blessed. <laughs> it, it is much smoother than it was when we went through. Uh, I uh, served in the Marine Corps. I loved God. I was raised a Lutheran. And uh, here I am in a charismatic, spirit-filled, word-of-faith church. God does do miracles. You know, just a brief outline of who I am for those of you that don't know me. Um, I've been praying about what to share. And what's really kind of been on my heart is the kingdom. The kingdom. The kingdom. It says that Jesus went around and preached the kingdom. Do we think about the kingdom? Most of the time we talk about the gospel. We talk about Jesus Christ. We talk about salvation. But do we think about the kingdom and what that means? Salvation is good. Salvation is, is awesome. It is an amazing thing, but that's not all Jesus came to do. Not just to save us but to establish the kingdom. You guys know the, the Lord's Prayer? Say it with me. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come. He starts out with our Father who are in heaven. Our Father who is in heaven. We first begin with understanding who we belong to. We belong to God. We belong to God. The second is your kingdom come and your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. His kingdom. What is a kingdom? A kingdom is a, an authority. It's, it's an, a group of people. It doesn't necessarily have to be like the nation, the kingdom of Uganda or Africa, uh, South Africa or, or you know, 
Wisconsin. It doesn't have to be the you know, kingdom of Wisconsin or Minnesota. It doesn't have to be a kingdom like a physical place. A kingdom is also where an ideology is perpetuated. This is about the kingdom of heaven. Who's the king? Who? Jesus is the king. He is the king of this kingdom. It's God's kingdom. It's where he has preeminence, where he gets what he wants, where he rules and reigns. Our Father who art in heaven, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. You know what that indicates? That it's not done on earth as it is in heaven automatically. If we're requesting of God that his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, gives us an indication that his will is not done on earth as it is in heaven. Otherwise, why would Jesus, the Son of God, who knew God intimately, knew the Father, never said anything that wasn't the Father's will, why would he say that if he didn't mean it? He meant it. You wonder why some things aren't working out the way that you expected? It might not be his kingdom. There is another kingdom. Actually, there's many kingdoms. And one of those kingdoms is your kingdom. Ouch. <clears throat> what is this kingdom? Uh, Luke 17, 20 and 21. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said to him, said to them, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, See it here or see it there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. In, uh, in Romans, it says that the kingdom, of the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You know, if, if you take a look at that whole passage, he's talking about conflict within the body. You know, there were those that, that did eat meat and those that didn't eat meat, and they were, they were all fighting over about, well, well, I'm more spiritual than you are. You know, well, you're just weak in faith, and, and there's this whole contention going on about what they're doing. And he says, it's not by eating or drinking. It's not by these things, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is within you. It is within you. That's where the kingdom of God begins. Within you. When we bow our knee to the Lord our God and say, your will be done, we then begin to establish His kingdom more strongly. There are times in our life when we say, no, I want to do my thing. I, I want to do what I want to do. Well, whose kingdom is it? Well, it's not God's kingdom. It's now your kingdom. And we wonder, why is, it, why is things not working out the way that they should? Well, because you're doing your kingdom and not his kingdom. And sometimes you're doing part of his kingdom and mostly your kingdom. 
I, hey, I'm talking from experience here. I've been there. I've done that. I know. That's right. <laughs> Any minister can tell you this is truth. <clears throat> we are called to preach the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom. We preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, but we're supposed to preach the gospel of the kingdom. The good news, the gospel, the too-good-to-be-true news. You know what that kind of indicates in, in, in Greek? The too-good-to-be-true news? Just wait, there's more! That kind of news. The one where you go, I don't know, that seems a little too good to be true. That kind of news. The gospel is the too good to be true news. Where people go, nah, that can't, there's got to be more to it. And often we see that in religious circles. They say, well, you know, the gospel, you know, ah, there's got to be more to it. It can't be that simple. It, it just can't be that simple. The gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom starts when we recognize God's lordship and we recognize his king for who he is. Jesus came and died to receive a crown of glory. He did what no other man in this world can ever, did ever, or will ever do. He came in perfect righteousness without sin in his heart without sin in his heart. There is no man that can claim that. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all know the vile, perverse, disgusting things that go through our minds. We all know it. There is no one here that is exempt from that. We've all had those thoughts. We've all had those things. How do I know? I know my enemy. And he will put anything in your mind that he thinks that you'll take. He will put things before you. He'll show you things. But you know what? Our king is greater. He came. He, he died. He came and lived perfectly, showed us the way, and became the way. And he received a crown of, crown of glory. He became the anointed of God to become the Lord over God's kingdom. It said that all authority has been given to me. Jesus said this, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. All authority. Why? Because he's God's rightful ruler. God gave him all authority because he did what nobody else could do. He suffered what nobody else was willing to. He's the king. And because he suffered so greatly, because he endured so much when he didn't have to, that's the amazing thing. He didn't have to. He didn't have to do any of it. He could have stayed in heaven. He could have let us struggle by and just left us to fend for ourselves and to forever be separated from God. But God was not willing to bear that. He said, these are my people. I created them. These are my children that I made in my image. And I want to see them flourish. I want to see them prosper. I want to see them grow. I want to see them to arrive to the potential that they have. He says, I have to make a way. I have to make a way. You know what? And they're discussing this, and Jesus says, I'll do it. Father, I'll do it. I'll do it. He says, all judgment has been given to Christ. Why all judgment given to Christ? Because he was willing to give up all. He was willing to give up all. 
in his hands. His hands is judgment. Why does everybody have to come to Christ? Because he's the king. It's his kingdom. This is the foundation. This is the essence. This is what the rich young man was looking for. What must I do? What must I do? The world saying, what must I do? Believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Well, that seems too easy. There's got to be more to it. No, that's the foundation. That's it. That's the entrance. That's the way in to the kingdom. That's not the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story. Because it's about his kingdom. He's a king. We're in a kingdom. That means... You know what? Every kingdom has their rules. Every kingdom has their structure of government, the way society functions and works, what's accepted and what's not accepted. But you notice, that doesn't touch salvation. It's because the salvation is the foundation. Salvation is the foundation by which all of us must enter into this kingdom. You cannot enter in by any other way than receiving Jesus Christ as Lord. As Lord. I, I left out Savior intentionally because to be Lord is to be Savior. He's the king that has despoiled the kingdom of this world. He's the one that stripped the devil of power and authority. He's the one that has the keys to death and the grave. Do you realize what that means? He has the authority to determine who goes to hell and who goes to heaven. He has the keys. He has the keys. Don't you think it might be a good idea to get on the good side of the one who's got the keys? I think that's a great idea. I think that's a fantastic idea. I think you should probably do it. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 3.10, Paul, talking to the church in Corinth, says, According to the grace of God which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Another builds thereon, but let every man take heed how he builds thereupon. There is a foundation that is laid. It cannot be laid by anyone else. It is Christ. It is Jesus Christ. No one else can lay that foundation. And there's those that have tried. There's those that, that try to dig up that foundation and try to make it into something else. Have nothing to do with them. Have nothing to do with them. If somebody says, well, you need more than Jesus to be saved, they're wrong. They're trying to re-found the foundation. They're taking the foundation, breaking it up, and saying, here you go, build on this, this sand and this, this rubble. We need to build upon this foundation. What do we do about it? What do we do about it? How do we build on this foundation? 1 Corinthians 12 4 through 6. There are diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There's a diversity of activities, but the same God who works all in all. There's, there's three things that are, that are stated here in this. 
and it may seem like I'm going a little off, but just bear with me. There are diversity of gifts. The Holy Spirit gives gifts. Each and every single one of you, if you believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, you are a candidate for the gifts of the Spirit. You are a candidate to have every single manifestation of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. Why? Because you're in the kingdom. You're in the kingdom. You're His subjects. The Holy Spirit is here to help us, to empower us. There are different ministries. The five-fold ministry. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, and teacher. They are for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Guess what? You're being edified. The gift of God that is upon me as a five-fold minister is now ministering to you to help you build in the kingdom, to grow you up, to bring you to the unity of the faith and the bond of peace till we come to the maturity of Christ Jesus. <clears throat> but the same Lord. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There, are di there is a diversity of activities, but the same God who works all in all. And that's really what I want to focus on, is a diversity of activities. What does that mean? Things to do. Activities. You know what activities are, you know? Playing sports is an activity. You know, making a cabinet is an activity. You know, these are activities. Running a soundboard is an activity. Running the video is an activity. Doing music is an activity. There are activities. God gives us activities. He gives us things to do. There are things to do in the kingdom. God wants to give us things to do. He wants us to do things, and He gives it to us. You know that God has given an activity to Pastor John. Do you know? Does anybody want to guess what that activity might be? Anybody? Hmm? Resting? No. Come on, come on. He's been pounding this into you for years. What's the vision, the activity? Building churches. Building churches. 24 churches in 10 years. That's an activity. God has given Pastor John an activity. You know, within that activity, there's other activities that need to happen, that the Father wants to have happen. I remember last time I was here, I told you that what the Lord wanted from you guys. He wanted that building finished. It's done. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah? Now you get to move on to something else. God's got more and more and more and more and more. God will always have activities for us to do. But here's the thing. God gives us an activity. And he gives us ministers to guide us, to help us, to make sure that we're heading in the right direction. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to do it. You know, I'm talking about small things. I'm talking about activities like, you know, the building and music and stuff like that. But there's other activities like saving souls. Like ministering to broken families. To take those that are 
alcohol addicted, drug addicted, and cleaning, helping them clean their lives up, bearing with them, enduring with them through difficult times so that they can see the fullness of God in their life? If we t- stay in 1 Corinthians 12, jump down to verse 12 through 14. For the body, for as the body is one, it has many members, but all members of that body being many are one. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we're all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not many members. Is not, is not one member, but many. Okay, so he says that we're not many members, but we're one. And then he says at the end, but we're... <laughs> See, I even have to look at it. We're not one member, but many. Wait, what? You just said that we're all one, and now you're saying we're all many. Okay, here, let me, let me break it down for you. We're all born of the same Father. We are one same family. We all belong to God. You are in the kingdom of God. If your heart, if in your heart you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you've confessed with your mouth that He is Lord, you are in the family. You are one of this body. You are one in the kingdom. We all have one objective, one purpose, one desire, and that's to glorify God. But we, we're not all one part. It goes on to explain about this later. We're not all a foot, we're not all a hand. We're not all an ear. We're not all an eye. We are many members. We have different parts. We do different things. We don't all have the same things that we do. We don't have the same passions. Now, I love to see people get saved. I desire to see them get saved. But I'll tell you what, I don't have the passion Vern does for souls. You guys know Vern. Vern Norton, Vern Norton Ministries goes out in the street, one, one, one-eyed guy, very intense. You know, kind of looks like me, he's bald on top. I love that guy. He is an evangelist. That is the anointing on his life. He is an evangelist. And as a minister, his flavor, his calling, his passion, the thing that drives him is souls. And when he gets up in front of you, that's what he's going to be doing. He's going to be, he's going to be pushing on you to, to get out there and save souls. To get your life, right, your life in right standing with God so that you can reach out into the community so that you can save those around you because it's about souls. My, I love to see people say, but that's not my passion. That's not my motivation. Pastor John's motivation is to see the kingdom built, to see the church's plant, to see the church grow, to see it established. He, he, he's passionate about seeing churches and all these communities, and I desire to see that as well, but that's not my drive. Oh, what's my drive? That you see Jesus. That you see him that you realize the potential of who you are in Christ Jesus, what God has placed in you, what you're capable of doing. We are a bigger part of a whole. You are a part 
of the larger body of Christ. You have a job that God has given you to do. You have functions and things that God wants to have accomplished. God has given you ministers to help you, guide you, to keep you on track, to help you to grow up, to be in unity. And you have the Holy Spirit to empower you to do everything He's asked you to do. We're called to build. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13. Are you there? For no other foundation can anyone lay than which was laid. This is verse 11, which is Christ Jesus. We covered that. It's Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on that foundation with gold and silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test each one's work what sort it is. Continuing on, if anyone's work which has been built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet so through fire. I think this is where we can run into a lot of problems in the kingdom and a lot of problems in churches is that we, we take the idea of salvation and we lump it together with the idea of sanctification. Salvation is a free gift of God that comes to every person regardless of their background, regardless of their nation, regardless of their sex. It is irregardless of anything that you are, can do, have done. And it's a free gift given to you if we just believe that Jesus Christ's sacrifice was enough to save you. I do. But we build upon that foundation. When we get saved, then we begin to build upon that. We take that foundation of Jesus Christ and then we begin to line our life up with Him. And it says that we build with precious, wood, uh, with gold and silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble. There's two classifications here. Things that are going to endure, things that will last, and things that will rot and become destroyed. And we all build with these. And your life will be tested. You know, we enter into these situations where we're, we're dealing with uh, something that's just terrible, you know, in life. There's conflict. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe there's chaos in your family. Maybe you get sick. All of a sudden, now you're being tested as to what you've built in your life. What is my life made of? What is it that I have established in me? That's not a salvation issue. That's an issue of building. You've built upon the foundation. The foundation is sure. 
but what you've built with might not be. And we want to strive to build with those things that last. How do we do that? The Word. Ministers. The family of God. Allowing one another to help undergird us and help us and and listening to wise counsel of godly people. Listen. Wise counsel, godly people. Not everyone's opinion is wise. And not every opinion is, is godly. So you want to look at people whose, whose lives have showed the test of time. And you look at them and say, yeah, they've built right. You know what? When you find a builder that builds well, you want them to build your house. You, you know, it's just like, <laughs> you don't want the guy who just slaps two sticks together and says, here's a house. It's not going to last. You want the one who's built well. And we need to build in the kingdom, but we need to build with good things. But there is a building that takes place, and you can build wrong. Even though you sincerely love God, even though you passionately love the Word, you still can build wrong. Usually one of the biggest reasons we build wrong is pride. We think we know. Guilty. <laughs> Been there, done that. You know, we, we think that we know everything. Well, pff, come on, I know, I know this. This is, this is easy. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Let me suggest that you humble yourself and you, you allow God to help you because that will, keep you, that will help you build well. God is looking for, for us to say yes to him. For us to say yes to the activities that he wants to do. For us to say yes to how he wants to build the kingdom in our life. You know, we talked about activities and there's things that God wants to do. There's things that God wants to do in this body. There's things that God wants to do through you outside of this body. All right. Before I go here, i got to get a drink. I, I was intending not to bring politics into this, but now I'm going to bring politics into this. <clears throat> yeah, you all know. God may be calling some of you to enter into the political system. He may have an activity for you to do, which may involve you getting involved in the process of being in the government. Because God is looking for people to do things for him. But you know what that means? It's not going to be easy. Because the kingdom of God is in you. The kingdom of God, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and you've received him as your Lord and Savior, the kingdom is in you. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is yours. You never have to give that up. You never have to give that away in every circumstance and situations. You never have to be without righteousness. You never have to be without peace. And you never have to be without joy. They are yours forever. Forever. And there's no power on earth that has the right to take it from you because you are in the kingdom of God and God beat every single one of Satan's demons. There is none of them that he is not able to whoop. And they don't have the right to take it from you. 
The kingdom is in you. Now we need to get the kingdom out of you. We want to advance the kingdom. We want to say, it's great. It's great that you're in the kingdom. It's great that you got the kingdom of God inside of you. But the kingdom will never advance as long as it just stays inside you. God is wanting to get the kingdom out of us into this world. And the only way to do that is for him to find people who are willing to go where he sends them and take the kingdom with them. We look at the political situation and we say, oh, 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 oh my God, no. Lord, why would you leave us? Why would you forsake us? Oh my gosh. Yes, but my people aren't standing up and doing what I want them to do. They're hiding. Well, we want to just, I just want to be comfortable. We want to be, oh, I, I don't know if I want to. Oh, that seems like so much. Yeah? Yep. Yep, it is. You know, I have... <clears throat> I got saved when I was 14 year olds, 14 year old in a Lutheran church. Figure that one out. In a Lutheran church, I got saved. And I started pursuing God. I said, you know what? If, if I'm a Christian, I need to know what it means. So I began to search things out. I got spirit-filled. Turned my life over to God when I was in the Marine Corps. I became a born-again Spirit-filled Christian in the Marine Corps. Do you think maybe I suffered some persecution? Do you think maybe I might have been ridiculed a little bit? Yep. Yep, absolutely. To be in Christ is to be in fellowship with His suffering. The world hates Him. And He says, if the world hates me, it will hate you. Get over it. They're not going to like you. But that doesn't mean that we don't do what's right. That doesn't mean that we don't stand up for Christ. I think that we can see in the current political climate that if we don't do something, if the kingdom of God does not rise up and do something, we are doomed. we got to stand up. As the people of God, as the ones who have the light of life in us, we need to go out there and give the light to show it in the darkness. Yep, they're going to hate us. Yep, they're not going to be happy. You ever, for all you parents, you're going to understand this. When you catch your kid doing something, when you know they did it, and you say, and you say did you do this? Uh-uh. Nope, not me. I didn't do it. You know, all, actually, all of us have this experience. You know, we all got caught at some point or another and said, wasn't me. Didn't do it. You know, when the light shines, the immediate reaction is, didn't do it. Wasn't me. They're going to hate you. But that doesn't mean that they won't repent later. It doesn't mean that they won't watch your life and say, there is something to that. But we got to be willing to stand up and be willing to be ridiculed. Be willing to be the fool. Be willing to be inconvenienced. Be willing to give of our lives for the sake of others. 
2 uh, Timothy 2, 20 and 21. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood, hay, wood, and, wood and clay. Some are for honor, some are for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified for use by the master, prepared for every good work. You know what? Some of you feel like maybe you're not that great. Maybe you've had some things in your life. Maybe you've been dealing with some stuff. God wants you to know you can be a vessel of honor to be used in the house. He says right here, you can be clean. You can be cleaned and used. But there are all sorts of vessels in a house to be used in all different kinds of ways. You know what? One isn't more important than the other. They all need to happen. You know what? We need people to clean the churches. I mean, would you like to come into a church that stinks? There's garbage on the floor? Trash has never been taken, taken out? That job is really, really important. You go to use the bathroom and, you know, <laughs> you know, looks like a train station or bus station bathroom. You know, these things are important. Things that, the small things that need to be done are just as important as the big things. And we all have our part to play. The question is, what is God asking you? God is wanting you to get involved. He wants you to be part of this. He wants you to be useful for the Master's work. As I was preparing for this, the Lord gave me a word for you guys. For Lake Elmo. If you're not part of Lake Elmo, this doesn't apply to you. Here's the word. God has called you to excellence. The Father wants you to know that you've been called to excellence. Not just get by, not just, you know, well, it's good enough. Excellence. To have an excellent spirit. Now we can say, in what you do, yes, excellent. But we're talking about in the kingdom, you need to be excellent in your heart and spirit. You need to be excellent at what you do. It should be about excellence. When he talks about walking love, it should be about walking in love in excellence. Walking in an abundance that just oozes out of you as you go around. That you have so much love that you got love to spare. That you got so much peace, you got peace to spare. You got so much joy that people get around you, they start laughing. They don't know why. Excellence. Not just get by, not just kind of, eh, well, you know, it's good enough. Not government work. Some of you got that. I know what George did. All right. I want to finish up with. Romans 12.2. And this has to do with excellence. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Knowing what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God comes down for your mind being renewed. But that's not what I want to talk about. That was just a little sign. What I want to talk about is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. 
was one morning I was out walking and I was, I was pondering these scriptures and I said, God, what's good? Immediately the Holy Spirit responded to me. He says, that which is without sin. Good is that which is without sin. Let that sink in. I had his attention, so I said, well, what's acceptable? That which is in keeping. That which is, moves in the same direction as what God wants to do. Something that's not in opposition, but goes in the same direction. Think of like two trains headed in the same direction. You're supposed to be on one, but you're on the other, but you're headed in the same direction. That's acceptable. You're going in the right direction. Perfect is being on the right train at the right time, in the, in the right seat. That's perfect. Perfect. This is exactly where God wants you, when He wants you, and what He wants you to be doing. You can settle for good. But God doesn't want you to. You need to be at least striving for acceptable, but you need to obtain perfect because that's where He wants you. He wants you in His perfect will. He wants you in that moment in time where you're there doing exactly what He's wanting to have done. Speaking what the Father is saying, doing what the Father is doing. That's where power is. That's what God wants for you guys. He loves you guys. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to grow. He wants you to be in excellence. Now you need to begin to renew your mind with the idea that you are excellent. Why? Because God said so. God has called you excellent. He wants you to be that. That's what His desire is. That's how He sees you. Now begin to renew your mind. God, you've called me to excellence. I need to do this in excellence. I need to do this in your will, your purpose, and your plan to glorify your name. It's about the kingdom, people. It's about what the Father wants to have done. We need to not worry about what's going on around us because we're interested in establishing the kingdom. That's where the power is. I could probably talk for a lot longer, but I'm not going to. What I would like to do is I would like to have an opportunity to pray for anyone and everyone. Whoever would like to have prayer, I would love to pray for you. Um, do we need to do a closeout or anything? Okay, so we're going to do the announcements. We're going to close out the video and do all that. But I'm going to stay up afterwards, and if you would like to have me pray for you, I'd love to pray for you.